0: I'm Lay it all down, lay it all down, fill with all those anxious thoughts, all your doubts become your God. Lay it all down, lay it all down, can you
1: As I was saying, thank you so much that I miss all of you. And I'm doing better and better and better and better, like the choir, getting better and better, getting healed. The question is, how do we lay it down? It's hard to lay it down when we believe that we're victims. When someone else is doing something to us, it's hard to lay it down, but the practice helps us understand that it is us who creates our own suffering. And thereby it's easier to lay it down when we understand that that's the case. John kabat wrote a book which I haven't read. I've only read the cover because that was enough for me. And it's called Wherever we go, there you are. And what it's telling us is our tendency, our propensity to run away from situations of hardship and suffering to try to find a place where someone loves you or won't speak badly of you or will always give you good energy until the day you die. And of course, as the title indicates and infers, wherever you go, there you are. You're there with the same problems you ran away with. Okay? So how do we resolve this? We resolve it by, first of all, realizing that it's our own crap we've got to unpack. It's not that someone else is doing something to us. They're just trying to survive themselves. It is us developing the ability to be equanimous. It's a long time since I've been up here. To be equanimous and to not be affected by the words of others because the practice helps us to see that the words are empty. And how do we know that? How do we know that for sure? How do we know that the intent of the words and the energy delivered in those words are not felt by us? By what's felt by us is what's inside of us. How do we know that? We know that by the diversity of experiences that we can observe by the same word. What do I mean? I mean that everyone is not affected negatively or positive by anything. So you have a sampling group where everyone has different and varying views about what that means and how that makes you feel. Well, if you have that variation, it indicates to you that it's not the word that has the energy. It's the person Or people who are in hearing range of the word or the scene or the vision that has the energy inside them that expresses itself when contact is made with any of the sense objects out here in Samsur. Understood? Okay. He said that there are disciples who are extremely gentle extremely meek, extremely peaceful so long as disagreeable courses of speech do not touch them so long as disagreeable courses of speech do not touch them it can be understood whether the disciple is really kind and gentle and peaceful. That is, if in spite of what is being said and done, that a person can be kind and gentle and peaceful. This is the practice. This is the development. How do we do this? Again, by unpacking our own crap. By realizing that it is I who fuel the intent of the objects that are coming my way in my reality, it is I that label them and imbue them with energy. And if I want them all to be benign and gentle, then I have to develop the energy inside myself of benignness, if that's a word, and gentleness. And the only way That we can do that is to be mindful of mind because mind is what creates the flavor of our experience. And so we have to continue to examine our own mind to see its contents. And through abandonment of the unwholesome and the embracing of the wholesome, we change the scope, we change the effectiveness, we change the infectiveness of the mind on the object. We are busy trying to change reality, trying to change the outside. There's nothing wrong with involvement, there's nothing wrong with voting and making your feelings known. The wrongness is when we are affected by the fact that we are not heard and out the way we think we should be, that, that our voices are not being respected the way we think they should be. That's ego. The responsibility is to speak. Once we do that, it is up to the organization of reality to present itself or restructure itself so that we can again evaluate it as to whether it is acceptable or not. Now the practice tells us about equanimity. And it tells us that when we know we've got it right is when whether it is pleasant or unpleasant, it's okay because that's what it is. And when we have that settling of heart, when we have that contentment of heart and that peace of mind, in spite of the rain or the hurricane or the forest fire or the drought or the plenty or the few or the little bit, when we have that stillness, that, that acceptance of what is. Now some are worried about that. Some think that, that that's a part of what is understood to be spiritual bypass. That the fact that you don't care. But I think that we have to be more focused on what we care about. And what we care about is our, our responses and our reactions to what is presented, not what is presented, but how we embrace and care for and handle what is presented. That's what our responsibility is, and that's what our goal should be, and that's how we know when we've unpacked our crap. When we're at peace and content with what is in the moment, How can we do that? Because we realize the law of impermanence and that whatever presents itself is going to change. And the changes that we see are predicated and determined not by anything out there, but how we embrace the moment with our own energy. If I contribute to unwholesomeness by thinking unwholesome thoughts, while something is going on, then that's the seed I plant for the next moment. And I cannot expect peaches to grow from seeds of jalapenos. It just won't happen. So I've always got to be mindful of sowing so that I know what I'm going to reap. It's hard to swallow sometimes. It's hard to believe that that's the way it works. It's hard to believe that I don't have to get out and try to tinker with reality and change it. But I can only change my reactions and responses to it. It's hard to believe that that will be effective. But I'm saying to you, watch the arguments of your mind and give it a try. Don't deny it because you think it's not going to work. Try to work it. This is what all of these tomes, these books about Buddhist study is all about. This is what Christian study is all about. This is what all the theology are all about. Give it a chance. Practice it and see whether this benefits you or causes you more stress and, and suffering. If it does, Try something different. I don't wanna oversell this. Because it's not a network marketing scheme. I don't wanna <laughs> get anything out of this. Well, I don't think I, maybe I will get something out of it. I don't know, I don't know. But I'm not doing it to get something out of it. I'm doing it to say Look, this worked for me. I believed in marriage and I believed in family. And to demonstrate how much I believed it, I was married and divorced five times. (laughs) (laughs) What I didn't do in my changes was I didn't unpack my crap. And I took my stuff with me to the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one. But what was beneficial about that for me was I eventually looked at the fact that everyone I was involved with was different. But the results were the same. And I was the only one (laughs) left. I couldn't blame anyone else. I had to look at myself. And so what I'm saying is that in your experiences of suffering and discontent, be willing to look at your own crap, lay down everything else, put down everything else, and examine what it is that you're bringing to the conference table, whether it's wholesome or unwholesome. And when you decide to put down what is unwholesome, to put down the blaming and the shaming, the growling, the ungraciousness, when you're willing to put that down and be a part of bringing about peace and harmony to the world, through whatever little or big events that you can establish yourself, we will find that the world will begin to change and move more into stasis. We've been in bad situations before. This is not the first time that there seems to be an imbalance in reality. We've gone through this before as a, as a race, as a tribe. And we'll survive this too, or not. Depends upon what the earth wants to do. Whether the earth will shrug us off. But the earth is going to survive. So not to worry. Any questions? So everyone believes what I've said. (laughs) Wonderful, (laughs) wonderful. You guys have grown since I've been away. Yes.
2: So even if we're not here, I think you said maybe I will have a gain. even if you're not here to bear witness to it, I think that we're all parts of, like that domino game that was big in the 80s You know like where they would have those plethora of dominoes and one person would flip it and it would continue on but we're all parts of that domino and if you remove one piece of the domino the next piece can't can't be touched but if we're all that little bit of humanity and kindness and compassion we may not see the next piece in motion but we've been part of the placation of that next piece Mm -hmm. being in motion. And that's something that is what really follows through with our actions in the now. Whether Mm -hmm. or not you bear witness is Mm
0: -hmm.
2: really not indicative of what matters. It makes the difference that without your piece and your crux, then the next piece is dependent on all of us. It's not about whether or not you get the payback. It's that knowing that it's the right thing to do and that the payback is the next piece.
1: It's like planting a tree and knowing that you won't be alive when the tree is full grown and you can enjoy the shade of it. You're planting it so that someone else will be able to sit in the shade.
3: Um, I'm hoping that the question pertains to what you're saying because it was on my mind on the way here. realizing as I'm phrasing it that I could be saying it as an excuse but nonetheless um, with conditions or experiences of depression um, or PTSD where or mental like your subconscious kind of affects your conscious or physical reality like right now, my PTSD feels just having this microphone in front of me. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think in my life, having felt like there's this backdrop or something that feels like it's running me, mm-hmm. that is my, like an overstimulated or a system that was in shock that hasn't relaxed, um, where it feels like that nervous system has kind of can take me over. Any suggestions in that instance where? It almost feels like I can't control it, but, and I meditate a lot every day. It's just, I guess it's just more practice.
1: It's establishing the belief that everything is created from my, not from the nervous system, not from external reality, but from my. And so just continue to practice and sit with it and restructure that. It's, when we talk about PTSD and things of that nature, trauma, emotional trauma, environmental trauma, it's about fracture. It's about dislocation. And it's about rewiring the mind so that it can come back into its wholesomeness in this period of stasis, balance. And be patient with yourself, realizing that there's, there's been an injury that's not visible, but that doesn't mean it's not real. Be gentle with yourself. Be kind to yourself. All of the qualities of healing that we talk about giving to other people, be sure to give it to yourself. Right? And, and, and don't be impatient. Don't be impatient. Hold it like a mother hold it like a mother, and be tender with it. It's gonna happen, because it's all of the events that brought it to this point were real, right? They were real, no matter what the traumatic event was, it was a real event, but you didn't know then how to coexist with it, and it broke something. It takes a while for it to mend for it to heal hold it like a mother okay.
4: uh, my name is Jim and I, I want to preface by saying this poem from Rumi uh, the guest house anybody familiar with that and what I'm saying it is I know intellectually what Rumi said, but it's so hard sometimes with emotional situations with family or that the victim is in the moment to try to come back to a place of equanimity when my ego uh, grasps at um, from the past, this person hurt me or whatever. Mm -hmm. but Rumi says that um, the guest house the guest house every morning a new arrival comes as an unwelcome or unexpected uh, visitor and even if the visitor wipes your living room with all of its furniture open your arms and welcome them because they may be clearing out for some new delight Mm -hmm. but there are some issues that probably like PTSD or or uh, illness, you know, that are more difficult to come back. <laughs> and that's the challenge, is uh, in the moment, there is that space of awareness that theoretically is the spark with mindfulness to come back and to welcome whatever's there. But it's there, there are some issues that are, you know, probably lifelong, you know, for, for some of us, that... There's that, that pattern that can continue. So that's the, that's the, uh, that's the battle, so to speak. But uh, I know that being gentle with oneself in those moments, uh, theoretically <laughs> at least, is um, a, the way to come back. But it's, some things are hard. Yeah.
1: They're really It's difficult. simple, but it's yeah. not easy.
4: And it goes from one to the next to the next and the next. You know, like you said, a, a trail of uh, uh, rotten uh, <laughs> Reese's Pieces that you keep picking up, mm-hmm. unless you, that, that's a bad analogy, but, but at any rate.
1: Well, keep working with it. It'll happen. And again, as I explained, be gentle with yourself. Yeah. Be kind to yourself. Be patient with yourself.
4: And with others, too. You know, well,
1: if you if you're kind with yourself, then you will give that to others. If you're patient with yourself, yeah. you will give that to others. So, just keep loving. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. No. <clears throat> I rarely mention this to anybody because I don't like to go there. But uh, I've had PTSD for years. And um, for myself, I I, I feel you have to, um, just in general, you have to have allies in life, you know? And um, I find this is a good place for that and also I've been coming here 11 years not for nothing. This place keeps me on track, and it, it actually helps me out in my situation. Thank you, Bob. And we acknowledge the growth we've seen since you've been here. You've been doing your work. But that's what, why this is called a practice. It's not magic. It's not faith-based. It's about confidence, knowing through change that what you're doing is helpful and healthy for you.
5: I wonder about using the practice of the bowl of compassion. I found it very, uh, very important to me going through a period of grief in visualizing that golden bowl that's elliptical so that compassion can pour out of it and first taking your own grief or trauma placing your hand on your heart briefly, only briefly touching on that trauma and then placing it in the bowl. And in that bowl, you have compassion for people that you know that have experienced trauma or grief. I placed my mother, my mother-in-law, and both um, grandmothers in that bowl first because we had all experienced the loss of an adult son. And then next, you think of people that you may know, friends, people on the periphery. And then you go, I continued out into the world, Mm -hmm. having compassion for other mothers who had lost children. Mm -hmm. And then I started going back into time. And as I was having compassion for other people in the same position, or even having compassion for that experience Mm -hmm. you can have compassion for that trauma and know that that trauma is not that trauma is not me Mm -hmm. that trauma is a life experience have compassion for it and for yourself and then continue Mm -hmm. to let that bowl of compassion flow
1: Hold everything very loosely because what works for one person does not necessarily work for another. The evaluation is that at the end of the day, what you're doing brings relief to you. So that's good for you. There are some who will choose not to employ grief at all, just a bowl of compassion. I don't have to be grieving to fill my bowl full of compassion and to share it with others. And what I mean is even when situations occur where grief is honorable, the loss of a grown son. But when I understand how nature works and how the loss of grown children and small children and Parents and neighbors and friends are a natural part of the occurrence of reality I stop the questioning about why is this happening to me and just realizing that it's just a part of the flow and celebration of life you know, so we stop suffering when we understand why we suffer we stop grieving when we understand why we're grieving we stopped shaking our fists. I think it was Panewali who told me she saw a woman on CNN who was shaking her fist at God about the hurricane okay no 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 I mean you know she was within her own frame of reference her own belief system and that's an honorable thing but Blaming God for the damage of the hurricane causes us to step off our path and bring unnecessary grief to the heart because not only are we impacted by the reality of the damage that's done but now we're losing faith in the person who we think is in place to protect us and bring us happiness on a daily basis. But God doesn't bring us happiness on a daily basis. God brings us life on a daily basis. And that life brings us many things. Presence and disappointments. But when we understand that that's the way it works, that's the way it's designed, because it's not about what I get or lose, it's about how I choose to relate to that loss or gain. how I walk in it, how I handle it. Does my head get big and my ego get bigger because I get something, because I think I deserve it, because I think I was good enough for it? Do I understand that bad things happen to me even when I'm good? And that's okay because that's the way it's designed. And it's for me to find my faith even in the most corrupt of spaces even the darkest places. Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I shall fear no evil. That's the practice. It's not about waiting for someone to give us something. It's about us giving everything else something because we're in a state of gratitude. We appreciate what we have. Look at all of the people around the world who are suffering. What are we doing about that? What are you doing about that? Are you sending your, your compassion and your love and a couple of bucks to Hollywood, to Syria, to Somalia, That's what we want to ask ourselves. What are we doing about this? Okay? So, again, thank you so much. I don't want to get into a preaching thing. All right. Let's take 15 minutes to observe the state of consciousness. Because, again, mind is chief. Everything is created from mind. So let's just look in there and see what it contains, what it is that we want to surgically remove so that we can replace it with a vehicle that will bring us more contentment and more peace. If it's not here, we're not gonna see it out here, we're not gonna experience it out here. If it's not here, it's not love, if it's not contentment, if it's not compassion, if we don't have it inside, we definitely don't have the seed to plant it out here. So this is what it, the work is about. Unpack our own crap. That's what we're doing. That's what the practice is about.